Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again this week, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing this week? Doing great, Joe. How about you? I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, getting uh, trying to re re-energize uh, after what was a, a pretty busy weekend. Um, get ready for what's going to be another busy week as we start playoffs for for other sports and and get into the last uh, last week of football and. What do you know? Uh, the the fall weather is here, uh, right on time. A uh, nice rainy, cold week to get uh, to get us all in the mood for playoffs, right? Yeah, I think we were really spoiled for like two solid weeks where we had like sometimes better weather than we had during during parts of the summer. And uh, <laughs> yeah, now reality has come. The reality of late October has come crashing down on us. I think. I mean, it, it would have been nice to have like a, at least like a couple day buffer there where it just like started to get colder instead of just all of a sudden it going like, okay, 50s, rain, here we go. Yep. But uh, I guess that's uh, that's New England weather for you, right? Yeah, well, hopefully it clears up for the final week because yeah. uh, I think there's, there's still some stuff to be decided. And, you, you know, you always want to have – I mean, I don't know. Some some kids, some coaches like playing in the nasty weather. I, I'm just, I never did. <laughs> <laughs> I was always a wimp. I just wanted nice weather for a good game, you know? Uh, well, as always, you can send us uh, questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. And uh, you can listen to the show every Tuesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, yeah, as you, uh, as you said, we were... Um, there are some things to still kind of be determined, uh, you know, going into this final weekend. Um, but I guess probably the the biggest news, um, you know, of the weekend is that we finally know, we finally know how we're going to determine these playoffs. Uh, you know, nothing like waiting until uh, almost the last minute to figure that out. Um, yeah. But but we had a decision. Um, Roger Brown of uh, the Union Leader and New Hampshire Football Report had uh, tweeted. Um, or I think it was Saturday morning that the you know football committee and the NHIA council had decided to use the uh, the football rating, uh, the point system they use for for football to seed all four divisions uh, for the playoffs. Which you know if you're familiar with it at all, that's actually what they normally use for divisions two, three, and four. Uh, but because in division one with 20 teams uh, broken into two clusters of 10 um, in a nine-game season. You know, you, you, everybody in the cluster plays the exact same schedule, so they usually go by uh, wins and losses and head-to-head games uh, in in Division One. But uh, for this year alone, they're switching that to, uh, or at least as far as I know, just for this year, switching that to uh, football rating. Which, um, you know, if you need a refresher on that, because it's been a couple years, uh, the football rating is determined by two criteria. You get uh, ten points for every game that you win. So, for example, uh, a team like Winnicott, who is 8-0, gets 80 points for those eight wins. Then you also get two points for each of your opponent's wins. So, Winnicott has a win over uh, Exeter. Exeter has five wins. So, that means for its win, uh, Winnicott gets um, 20 points for that win against Exeter. And then you divide it by the number of games played, and that is your football rating. Simple. Simple stuff, I think. I don't know. Is it? Does it sound simple? Uh, you know what? I never really under. 
understood it until I became a head coach, and then you, you have to understand it. <laughs> um, so to me, it, it sounds simple, but I don't know. Sometimes it, it, it feels a little bit convoluted, but um, maybe it's just because honestly, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. I, it might, maybe it's because I've spent so many of the last like 10 years just staring at these numbers and and adding them and subtracting and dividing and, and all that stuff in my head. Well, not in my head, but, but you know, on, on paper and all that. Maybe that maybe it just feels... Well, yeah, and you, and you go through the scenarios too, right? You'll, you'll look at weeks remaining and say, okay, if these, you know, this team beats this team and that team loses to this team, then this team could get in. You know, that's where it starts to get complicated, I think, is right. when you start trying yeah. to do the scenario playouts, which is part of the fun, but... You know, you, you you at least need your math degree, uh, your undergrad math degree, at least to be able to kind of cut that. Well, I, I unfortunately that maybe that's why this always takes me so much time to go through because I did not have a, I do not have a heck. I don't even think I took a math class in college. Uh, <laughs> Lucky man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, but it is it's there's a lot of moving parts to it with that rating because, you know, like like I said, you get points for other teams winning games. So therefore, you know, in in some place in in like Division Two is always the toughest for me to try to figure out because every game has an effect on on what's on the ratings. You know, you may have um, two teams playing that aren't going to make the playoffs, but if you know team the team that's third played one of those teams and the team that's fourth didn't play either that you know and, and there's I mean it's only two points but you know if you're only separated by two points or four points or whatever I mean that's it's a lot um and this year yeah and then there's those circumstances where for some teams that those games don't matter at all because maybe yeah, we beat both yeah. of them right so right yeah you get two for the win but you get nothing for the other team losing or whatever right, right. It, it's um I do like the system though because I, I think that it um I like the way that it accounts for strength of schedule. It does a little bit, yeah, yeah. It adds it in a little bit, um, and I, I honestly, yeah, I, not in a perfect way, but at least it tries to yeah. recognize, you know, hey, you might have played a stronger sequence of teams than somebody else or something, right? So, in a, in a way, it's it's again not perfect, but I, I always thought that was kind of nice. Honestly, I would like to see them use it for other sports too, um, instead of just the straight up you know, four points for a win, you know, five points for a, a win over a team in a higher division, that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's right. that's a podcast for another day. Right. Um, so, yeah, now that we know, um, like we said, what's um, what's going to be the determining factor in, in seeding these teams um, or how these teams are going to be seeded, it makes it a little easier to kind of talk about what, uh, what the playoffs might look like. Um, before we get to that, I want to talk about a couple of the games that we saw in Division One last week. That um, two, two in particular that I was actually kind of fortunate to uh, to happen to be at myself. Um, you know, I, I think going into last week we had um, an idea of like, well, if they do use the rating for the playoffs, this is what we're going to see, and then that kind of got flipped on on its head a little bit uh, by three games in particular. Uh, you had North upsetting Pinkerton. On a Thursday night game last week, uh, Salem upsetting Londonderry, and then Dover upsetting uh, Goffstown. Um, you know, all three games that that I, I honestly I thought were going to be close games, but I didn't think were going to go the way that they went, uh, or in terms of the outcome. 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair to call them upsets. You know, it was funny. I was I was thinking about, you know, what's the least offensive way to refer to an upset these days? And it was like an unintended outcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think all, I, I mean, an unanticipated outcome. I don't know right. if it would be unintended, unintended. but an unanticipated outcome. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I think that, that game, though, sort of set the tone for a few surprises over the weekend. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny how, you know, a game that, that you know, in all intents and purposes, like you go into it thinking this game is about ninety-five percent ha- will have no effect on anything uh, until it actually does. Um, right. You know, that's that's kind of crazy. But I, you know, while I was at when I got to that game, uh, of course, North played at Pinkerton Thursday night game. They moved it because Pinkerton was having uh, its prom on Friday night uh, of last week, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know. I was standing there at the game trying to remember the last time I had covered a North and Pinkerton game, um, you know, because it just has, has happened with the way that the, the cycles in Division One have worked, that they've they've matched up in years where Pinkerton's been really good and, and North hasn't been quite as good. Uh, and and kind of to justify that, I I figured it out. The last game I saw was actually the uh, 2020, or excuse me, 2010 uh, Division One championship game between the two that Pinkerton won, uh, fourteen to seven. Uh, and you have to go all the way back to that regular season game that year, uh, that was also played at Pinkerton that North won thirty three to seven. Before Thursday, that was the last time that the Titans had beaten the Astros. It was ten years right. ago. Um, which just I like it. It seemed I mean because both teams have been good over that stretch, or you know North, you know more so lately. Um, that they just haven't played each other, so I thought that was kind of a, an interesting, an interesting kind of note, um, you know, to add to that. And uh, it, it looked like at the beginning of the game that um, you know Pinkerton was well on its way to making it, you know, another win in a row uh, against the Titans. You know, they score on their first drive. North comes back and scores. Pinkerton um, ends up punting and then forces a turnover. Scores off that turnover. North gets the ball back, has another turnover, and it's like, oh great, we're you know it's about to be, you know, twenty one seven here, twenty one six, I think maybe, uh, you know, yeah. in, in the first quarter, and then just a couple of bizarre uh, events kind of happen, um, you know, Pinkerton's not in a Nashua North game, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it seems to be what a surprise. Yeah, it seems to be the case for them this year. Um, I know they've really written the book on it, but yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I had to get that no, in. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, they um, Pinkerton's unable to score from from inside the five. Um, they line up to kick a field goal, and um, I'm trying to remember exactly what, what it amounted to. Was uh, the officials threw a flag for an illegal substitution when I don't think that Pinkerton substituted anybody. So I'm not mm. like they had already broken the huddle. They were already lining up for the field goal, and the refs threw a flag. Um, so I don't know where that came. So, anyways, that moves the field goal back five yards. The snap is high, which allowed a North player to come around the end. And if the kicker had gone through with the kick, he'd have kicked it right into the North player's stomach. So the holder picks up the ball, starts to run with it, throws a pass, and they only end up getting about half the yardage on the pass. Uh, yeah, which. It was it was one of those like wow that I mean instead of being up you know potentially twenty one six or seventeen six it's still you know a one possession game and um, 
I'm not sure if North went down and scored after that, but they they were basically keeping it close until they finally um, were able to, to actually go ahead in the third quarter, uh, early fourth quarter. You know, and then from there it was just it was whoever was going to have the ball last. Yeah, and it's uh, and the penalty kills you there too because if 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 I followed what you were saying, I mean if if they had to get a fire call and kind of try to throw it in and they only got half the yardage if they hadn't gotten the penalty. Right, yeah, exactly. It would have been standing across the goal line when he caught the ball, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's about right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's a that's that's another kind of you know, costly storyline. Yeah, North did actually. I'm sorry, I was looking back here through my notes. North did go down and score um, after that on a yeah. So it was a uh, uh, a 92 yard touchdown drive for North after that after that missed yeah. kick. Um, and then the game yeah. kind of turned in the second half on a uh, a Pinkerton fumble that um, you know it was to the, to watching it live. It was kind of questionable as to whether it was a fumble, but I was fortunate enough to get some pictures around it, the play and looked like the ball was out before uh, the player was down um, and North ended up scoring off that uh, to pull ahead. And then, yeah, they just went back and forth and you had, uh, you know, the Titans winning the game on a, uh, a touchdown run by Derek Finley with, um, with nine seconds left. And then much like Nashua South did to them uh, earlier in the year, North went for two and got it and, and held on for the win. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like we said, right? I mean, North's been in these games. And, you know, for the last couple of years, we've, we've been talking about teams that have been in these, you know, either either really kind of wild fourth quarter type finishes or come from behind type games or they've had to battle or whatever. And, you know, how many times have I said, you know, I, I think that really, it really increases your your mental toughness, right? It, it it gives you that X factor in terms of the experience that you've had, right? If you've been in sort of run in the mill games, and and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that either, right? You still get experience right. and stuff, but if you've had to gut out a few really stressful, uh, you know, sort of back and forth topsy turvy type games especially at the high school level, right? It's, it's not like college or NFL, obviously, where you've, you've seen a lot more, right? I mean, that team, to have them go through something like that, it just makes them all the more resilient. Right, so that they can't, yeah, they can come up with situations like that. And you look at, you know, you look at their, their schedule this year, and, and of their eight games so far, seven of them have been one-possession games. They've had four one-point games this year. Uh, yeah, wins over it's unbelievable. Mar- yeah. Wins over Merrimack and Pinkerton and losses to South and BG, you know, and they also had that loss uh, a week ago, or excuse me, two weeks ago to Salem. That was a, a you know, a close game late. They only lost by a, a touchdown there. Um, you know, it, those games go the other way, and we are talking about such a different season for the Titans. Um, you know, we're sitting here with them going into Londonderry at you know six and two, seven and one, and we're talking about you know them maybe hosting a playoff game and, and, you know, maybe having the number one seed. Um, but the, you know, the biggest thing for them, um, I think is, is that, you know, you talked about the, the, you know, experience of going through all this, uh, they've got most of those kids back next year too. Uh, yeah, they're young. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, a battle tested team, mostly returning, um, you know, kids that who, 
you know, maybe a couple of them con- contributed to last year's championship team, but but they probably want to get out there and win a title of their own. So I I don't know. I mean, you know, don't want to don't want to uh, get too far ahead of ourselves here, but that's definitely a team to watch for, for you know, going into 2022. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, and then, I, like I said, the other um, – on that side of the division, the other big upset was uh, was Salem um, knocking off Londonderry, 35-21, um, handing the Lancers their first loss in a, in a fashion that, um, you know, like I, I think I, we, we were talking about before we started tonight, I, I thought that Salem had a chance to keep that game close and, you know, maybe pull out a win, but not so much in the way that they did. Um, and that was really behind their defense, which, I mean, you haven't really been able to say that about Salem all you know throughout this season. I think they've been a little inconsistent on the, on that side of the ball. Um, but they came out. Um, they actually won the coin toss and deferred, which I remember thinking at the time, like, what are you? Why are you doing that? Um, yeah, you can't right. Give Londonderry the ball. Um, you know, and their uh, Salem coach Steve Abraham said afterwards he, that he's probably, you know, everybody's probably thinking that. What am I doing? Because uh, our defense stinks. And uh, and you know, sure enough, you know, he said he believed in them. He had belief in them, and they they proved him right. You know, they um, made forced Londonderry to go three and out. And on the second play, uh, Tommy Ehlers goes seventy five yards for a touchdown. Uh, and that, like, you know, it's it's hard to say that that the the fifth or sixth play of a football game, you know, completely dictates tone or, or sets the tone, but but that play really did. Uh, you know, and then Londonderry oh, was yeah. chasing that all night. They threw uh, yeah. five interceptions. Um, Ehlers had three of them, returned one of them for a tu- another touchdown. Um, it was just a, a really good performance by Salem's defense. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's the thing that sometimes gets lost when you think about teams' defenses is you think about defense – Again, especially at the the high school level, as uh, you know, the ability to get stops, right, third right. downs, all that kind of stuff. But you have a night where you can generate five turnovers. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're particularly great on third down or you know your run defense is really stout or whatever, right? If, if you're gonna if you're gonna generate five turnovers in a night, you know that that's that's something else. I mean, yeah, and, and you know statistically that's almost impossible to recover from no matter how good the team that you're playing is you know so you can gain some pretty good confidence and some pretty good momentum off of a couple turnovers let alone five yeah and two of them were I mean two of them were late uh in the fourth quarter with with Londonderry throwing the ball and trying to get back into the game um you know for whatever for whatever that's worth but I mean three of them were the other three were all in the first half uh, and all came on Salem's side of the field. So those were drives that Londonderry was starting to put together. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, it's not just, you know, it's not just getting stopped, but, but turning the ball over, of, of forcing a, a turnover is, um, I mean, it's, mo- it's a momentum thing too. Yeah, and even at the end of the game, like you said, where Londonderry's trying to kind of get back into the game, you know, yeah, there may be some desperation there, but the flip side of it is there's a lot of pressure on the defense. You know you're going against an undefeated team, a very good offense, a very well-coached offense at Londonderry, right? And so there's also there's a lot of pressure on you as a defense to not give it up. You know, you've right. been you've been inconsistent all year. Yeah, you might be up by a couple touchdowns or whatever, but you know that that other team can score. So it could be really easy to go out there and be, you know, have have a lack of confidence, be a little 
tentative, right? Just try not to give up the big play sort of mentality, right? That can get you eaten up. And no, you know, they, they were able to close the game out with two more picks. Yeah. Uh, so that I think that says something. The uh, some some maybe good news to take from that from Londonderry is um, it, Friday night was the return. Did see the return of quarterback uh, Aiden uh, Washington, who had been out since uh, the early part of the Pinkerton game uh, about a month ago. Um, you know, so he was able to get back in. Um, you know, had a tough night, uh, obviously throwing the ball. Um, but better to, better to have that now than in, you know, two weeks from now. So, and they, they did mix in, um, drew Heenan a little bit too, um, who had, had played in, in place of Washington the last couple of weeks and did a pretty good job. Um, so, I mean, that's something that to keep an eye out on is, is how does, um, Londonderry use both of those quarterbacks now? Cause I think they can, you know, both of them can do some, some things for them. Yeah, it, it is, it's nice that Washington was able to come back. And, I mean, I, I you know, I think that's the other thing, too, that you've got to take some consideration of is he was responsible for a number of the interceptions, but he's been out for a good portion of the season. Londonderry found themselves in a very unfamiliar situation, that being behind on the scoreboard. Right. Um, that's a tough situation to come back into, I would guess, you know, if you're – you're still kind of kicking the rust off a little bit and trying to get back into a rhythm with your receivers and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely a tough game to get thrown back into. I would, I would, yeah. I would imagine. Um, you know, and then then kind of the other upset that we mentioned. Um, you had uh, Dover. Um, you know, another another team who, um, like North, uh, saw its season come to an end um, in a close game, or I shouldn't say its season. It's play, it's playoff hopes come to an end, uh, you know, a week or two ago uh, with Dover losing to Portsmouth Oyster River by a point uh, last week. They come back out this week and uh, and potentially ruin Goffstown season with a 35-20 to 20 win uh, over the Grizzlies. Um, you know, in that one, it was, um, you know, the, the guy we've kind of talked about all year for Dover, uh, Darian Lopez-Sullivan, uh, 271 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Just... Um, crazy numbers um you know and and a game that that really Goffstown needed to win um to kind of you know give itself a little bit of um I'm trying to think of the right word uh, not necessarily clinch a playoff spot because I think they still would have had to win this coming week uh, against Portsmouth but you know make things a little bit easier on themselves you know if, if they didn't yeah I to me that outcome was a bit of a surprise you know i haven't seen dover i've seen gosstown a couple times um on film and you know you and i have talked right i mean gosstown's got a lot of pieces to the puzzle that you need to win football games right they've got size they've got speed they've got uh you know a couple of prospects i know they have a young quarterback but he's he's pretty good um but it sounds like this was another game where turnovers really factored in right i mean i think i think i read that uh there were, you know, that Dover's defense generated five turnovers in the game, which again, I mean, you get, you get two or three extra possessions. Uh, you're usually in pretty good shape. Um, I mean, you know, statistically, right. The, the chances of you winning that game are pretty good. You yeah. get five. <laughs> that's almost unrecoverable. Right. Um, but, but so, you know, so you have the five, the five takeaways uh, by Dover's defense. And then, I'd love to know. I mean, I know that Lopez Sullivan is one of the best athletes, football athletes in the state of New Hampshire, but 
what did you say the rushing yardage was like 260 to 26 carries 271 yards and four touchdowns when was the last time he i mean he you know you had um you had uh um better than better than the guy from north just last year god Uh, why am i blanking (laughs) curtis harris lopez curtis harris uh curtis lopez harris right Is that correct? Oh, uh, yeah, Harris Lopez, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you, I mean, you had him, but he was, he was uh, he, you know, he was a great player, but he was more of like a tailback who took shotgun snaps and, and ran and threw, right? So you'd expect big numbers from him, but I don't remember the last time hearing numbers from, uh, uh, rushing numbers from a quarterback like that. I mean, 20, 26, 27 carries, 270 yards. I'd love to know how that went down. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that, it does, uh, it sets up an interesting game, uh, this coming Saturday between, I mean, basically a playoff game between Goffstown and Portsmouth, um, you know, by all accounts, it looks like the winner is in, uh, seeding, uh, that's an adventure for, uh, for us to figure out the rest of this week, I guess, um, you know, on that side, it does, you know, Winnicott looks like, or has wrapped up the number one seed, Bedford's wrapped up the number two seed. Um, you know, I think Exeter with a win would, well, Exeter with a win would clinch the number three seed, uh, a loss, I think opens the door for Goffstown if they win to get it. Um, Portsmouth though, if they win, I think they're kind of locked into the four seed over there. And then on the other side, we know the four teams that are going to be in, uh, Londonderry, BG, Pinkerton, and Salem. Uh, but the only one that's, I think is, uh, for sure is that BG is going to be the number two seed. Um, there's some things that could go on with, uh, you know, if Londonderry loses to North, uh, Salem beats Merrimack, they, they could flip there, uh, or maybe Pinkerton gets bumped down, um, you know, depending on, I mean, they're, I, I think even with a win, they could get bumped down, uh, to four. So that's, uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye on this weekend with, with all those games with the, like I said, with the exception of the Goffstown Portsmouth game being, uh, being Friday night. So we'll have a pretty good idea going into Saturday, what, uh, what the division one playoffs are going to look like. Yeah. Um, in division two, I don't, I mean, I'm trying to, there wasn't, uh, too many results that kind of like jumped off the page at me. I mean, I, I know, um, Lebanon had a big win over Hanover. Um, but I mean, I kind of just the way that those teams are kind of trending, you know, where Lebanon has been so strong this year and, and Hanover is in a li- little bit of a tailspin, um, wasn't too, too surprised by that. Um, I, I was a little curious about the, the final score, that St. Thomas Hollis Brookline game. Um, you know, Hollis is, has struggled at times this year to, to keep teams in check. And then, uh, St. Thomas has put up a lot of points this year and then they come into Hollis and win 18 to eight. Um, that was a little kind of eye opening to me. Any, any idea what happened in that one? I don't. I, I saw I saw St. Thomas uh, against Plymouth the week before. Again, just sort yeah. of seen it on film, right? And um, you know, St. Thomas can be explosive, but they're definitely not like a like a quick strike. They're not set up to be quick strike. Right? Like you know, I think they're they're more set up to be kind of a ball control team. But they've got good athletes. Where if you get get one of those backs into a seam, you know, they have a chance to break it and, and put up some scores. But yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I um, you know, unless unless for whatever reason, um, you know, Hollis uh, just you know playing at home and 
kind of buckled their chin straps up and said, you know, hey, we're going to give it our darndest tonight. I, I, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a, you know, you hate to say moral victories, but, um, you know, Hollis has had a tough year. I think they're young and, and, you know, keeping that game tight like that and being in it to the end probably as close to a moral victory at this phase of the season as you're going to get. Right, right. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, as we're coming down here again with, with the last week of the regular season, you know, we have an idea of, I think, who maybe five or six of the playoff teams are going to be. Of course, with Division Two, you know, it, it's a it's a lot different or different in a ways from Division One. You know, you have the two conferences where the top two teams from each conference gets in, uh, and then it's the next next six best teams based on rating. So really, you could have you know five from one side and one from the other. You know, I mean that's not gonna doesn't usually work out that way, but um, you know it's it's wide open in terms of who can get in. And this this year, it kind of looks like you might have three teams from the East and, and five teams from the West, unless, um, you know, there's a couple of upsets down the road, uh, or, or on this weekend. Um, but I think right now you got Lebanon and Timberlane kind of locked into those, uh, top two spots in the West and the East respectively. And then it looks like, um, you know, Milford and St. Thomas are probably going to be your, your three and four seeds, um, hosting, uh, opening round playoff games. Uh, with with Plymouth, um, I think they've pretty much wrapped up a spot. Uh, you know, at at w- maybe at worst being fifth, um, I think there's a potential for them to maybe even jump up to fourth and grab that. You know, if if uh, St. Thomas or Milford slips up, grab one of those home games, and then uh, you know, haven't crunched all of the numbers yet, but Hanover looks like it's also um, just about wrapped up its spot, and they they finish up uh, with a game at Hollis Brookline, so they probably. Probably need to win that to feel completely comfortable. But then you got uh, four other teams: Sauhegan, West, Guilford, Belmont, and Bow that are uh, in the mix for those last four spots. With uh, yeah, and all of those teams are quality teams that have had, you know, kind of. I guess I would say, um, I don't know if inconsistent is too strong a word, but they've had kind of up and down seasons. You know, I mean. Bose missed a few games. They have a quality win over Sauhegan. Um, you know, Sauhegan's been kind of up and down, but they played a really good Milford game close. Um, Guilford Belmont has had a, a solid season, but they've, again, kind of been up and down. So there's, you know, th- there's, a, there's a sense that uh, almost anything could happen there depending on what the matchups are that shake out. I think part of it, you know, you, you mentioned them them having up and down seasons. I mean, but all four of those teams too have had games get canceled this year, so I think that plays a part right. of it too. Is you're just, you know, we haven't seen them every single week, so maybe that makes it feel a little bit like, well, they're you know falling off the radar at times, um, you know. But yeah, and and then the results have been kind of, you know, um, all over the place too. Like you mentioned, Sauhegan with you know playing close against Bow and Milford, but then having kind of a lopsided loss to Lebanon, um, you know, and then the big win a couple weeks ago over Hanover. Um, right. You know, Bow started started off kind of slow. They did have that game canceled earlier in the year, had another one a couple weeks ago, but it bounced back with a couple wins late. And then, um, yeah, same with Guilford Belmont. They, they've lost a couple games in the middle of, again, having a game canceled. So it's, yeah, it's kind of... Um, Unfortunately, out of sight, out of mind, maybe in some way. 
Um, yeah, it and, makes it harder to gauge. It, it makes it harder to, to, to you know, to, to tell whether missing the game sort of factored into them losing some momentum or just getting a little rusty. You know, again, football, is, as we've always said, is kind of a uh, a sport of habit for the guys that play it, right? right. You, you get into a routine and a rhythm, and, and you lose, you, you miss out on a game that's especially not a scheduled miss, right? I mean, bye weeks are, are interesting enough, let alone an unscheduled miss, right? right. One that was unplanned. Um, and, and just how much does that affect your rhythm and your routine and all those kind of things, right? I mean, maybe not much, but it, it could be, right? Right, right. Yeah, to a degree. And especially if, you know, you look at, um, one of those teams we talked about, West, they had their last two games canceled, and one of them was on Friday right before, you know, they were supposed to play Milford. And that uh, morning or afternoon, the, the game was canceled. So, I mean, that, um, you know, for the other side of that, for Milford, that kind of probably messes with you quite a bit because you wake up Friday morning getting ready for a football game, and then all of a sudden it's noon, and, you know, you, you find out you don't have a game tonight. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I got to be honest. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's got to be that's got to really throw you off. I mean, you know, I, I, the you know, then you, the flip side of it is is as we've talked in the past though is that at this time of the season your your roster depth and your health is everything. Right. Uh, especially in the in the lower divisions where you may not have 70 or 80 kids in your program, but I, I would say even in the higher divisions it's a big deal. Um so, you know, Milford for example, They've been a little banged up this year, right? I think um, one of the two running back captains, I can't remember which one it is, it was... Uh, uh, Zelinsky. Zelinsky, thanks, ha- has been down for a few weeks, you know. Did that give Milford a chance to kind of heal some bumps and bruises and maybe come into the end of the season uh, at full strength, right? I mean, they've they performed well in spite of being a little banged up, but you get that team back to full strength, they could be contending, for example, right? right? And maybe the week off helps a little bit with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and as we mentioned with um, Portsmouth and Goffstown uh, in Division One, we got a little bit of a play-in game uh, in D2 as well with, with Manchester West going to Bow, And, you know, looking like the winner of that game is going to get in while the loser is going to be out. So that's a that's a pretty big one there. And then, uh, like we said, Sauhegan, um, they're at John Stark on Saturday. And then Guilford Belmont plays at St. Thomas on Friday. So um, I think Sauhegan is in with a win. Um, Guilford Belmont might need a little bit of help if they win. And, um, you know, just looking at the numbers, they may even come down to a tiebreaker if, if it's, you know, depending on what happens with West and Bo, um, you know, that game could come down to, uh, or the, one of those spots could come down to a tiebreaker between one of those two teams, which would be, uh, which yeah, is the West and Bo game becomes interesting again, because, you know, West was, was on a really nice little roll for a while, but then, they lost arguably the two maybe strongest opponents that they would have faced right in a row. I think it was Milford and Sauhegan or Sauhegan and Milford in a row, but you know, whatever order it was in, they were playing two really quality teams in a row where they would have been, you know, we would have found out a lot more right. uh, about, about West and, and whether they were really going to be a contender or not. And the Gil- the Guilford Belmont game uh, against St. Thomas is kind of interesting uh, I think it would have been interesting anyway, but given the score this past weekend at Hollis, you know, it, it makes you wonder a little bit about, you know, just exactly what's going to come up in that one. Right, right. Um, well, let's um, let's let's 
maybe turn to, to a division where the picture is a little bit more clear. How about that? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> we can we can get out of the muddy waters here for for a moment here. Um, yeah, the what if stuff is fun, but it can be. Uh, yeah, it, half the time I'm, I'm I start talking about it, and I'm like, oh man, am I going to make a mistake here and say something that isn't going to? You know, <laughs> that's uh, it's really not in the cards. And I, you know, I didn't I wasn't paying close enough attention to Joe's math. <laughs> oh, right. no one wants to pay that close attention to my math. That that's uh, right. that's a dangerous dangerous uh, place to be. But I think speaking, you know, what we are going to we're let's talk math though. Um, Division three looks like it is set. Uh, four teams getting into the playoffs. Um, you know, from what I gather, it looks like it's going to be Pelham, Trinity, Campbell, and Kearsarge. Um, you know, just looking at at point totals and what need you know who needs which teams to win. Um, I think that Monadnock. You know, if um, even if everything breaks their way, I still don't think it's going to be enough to bump them up past Kearsarge. Um, I could be wrong about that. I'm going to take another look at it uh, and 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 write that up before the end of the week. But um, that's what it looks like at the moment. Uh, what what is interesting um, as we come down here? I think you and I talked about this back when uh, the game between Pelham and Trinity was was canceled a few weeks ago. That there was the potential there for both team to go both teams to go eight and zero, have beaten everyone else in the in the division. And finish up tied, not just with record, but in point rating as well. Uh, yep. And you know, if, if Pelham plays Winnesquam um, this week, Trinity hosts Kearsarge. Uh, obviously, a little bit of, of a tougher game for the Pioneers um, than than the Pythons. But if both are to win, they both would be eight and zero. They both would have the exact same point rating. Um, which then takes us to the uh, the tiebreakers, which, you know, the first tiebreaker is head-to-head, um, and obviously they didn't play each other because of the, the game getting canceled. So then you, you then have to go down to the fifth tiebreaker of uh, football point rating against divisional opponents on the road. So basically, you know, they only played divisional opponents. So basically, what did each team do on the road? Uh, right. And, you know, and if you come down to that one, um, you know, Pelham beat Laconia, Kearsarge, Interlakes, Moultonboro, and then, you know, to, for this exercise, we're assuming that they beat uh, Winnesquam on, on uh, Saturday. So those would be their four road wins. Uh, and then Trinity would have had wins over Conval, Campbell, Monadnock, and Laconia on the road, which when you add yep. all the, up all the numbers, Trinity then has a better road rating or football yep. rating in road games. Um, so that would be the tiebreaker there. Of course, we you know we need to get they need to both uh, win their games to get there. Uh, you know, but that's what it's it's looking like, or that's kind of I guess what the intrigue is in Division Three right now. Yeah, that's not you're right. It's not nearly as complicated maybe as some of the scenarios that could play out in the other divisions. But <laughs> you know, particularly in that case, right, getting down to the fifth tiebreaker, and it, it's really not the first time it's happened. I I, I can't remember what season. It was. It may have even been back when I was coaching, but I, I do remember when that that uh, wins against road opponents tiebreaker came into play. It might have even been for us. I, I don't remember specifically, um, but I, I, that's a tiebreaker I'm familiar with because I know that it's come into play in the past. I can't recall when, but uh, but but it, it's certainly been dragged out and dusted off before. 
Yeah, I think there was a year not too long ago in Division One where it, where it came down that way between um, I want to say it was South Merrimack and and BG, all finished with the same record, and had all beaten each other. Like you know, Merrimack had beaten South, and South had beaten BG, and BG beat Mer- you know. So they were all, you know, had the same same exact results um, with wins against each other, um, and it did come down to I think it did come down to road games. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Just always, always fun when you have to dig that deep into, uh, into tiebreakers to, to figure yeah. those out. <laughs> um, yeah. It makes coaches and players crazy. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think in, in division four, uh, you know, we're kind of looking at, um, you know, maybe a, a picture that we, this one we kind of maybe knew about a few weeks ago, you know, we looked at. At Newport, obviously, um, they're going to be the number one seed. Um, I don't think there's any way that they uh, they lose that spot. And then you've got uh, Summersworth and Epping Newmarket, who have looked like playoff locks for uh, some time now. Um, and then that fourth spot is kind of uh, looks like it's up in the ground, up and up for grabs. Um, I think the front runner there is probably Fall Mountain. Um, you know, they get a win over Muscoma Valley this week. At that that spot's theirs. Uh, they lose that game. That opens the door, I think, for Raymond uh, and almost Musco- and also Muscoma Valley, too. Uh, I have to crunch the numbers a little bit more there, depending on what happens with Raymond's game uh, against Bishop Brady. Uh, Muscoma might be able to sneak in there. Um, you know, but... Uh, yeah, my recent history is a little spotty. Um Translation, I can't remember much these days. What uh, <laughs> did Fall Mountain make the playoffs a couple of years ago, or is this? Yeah, they were they were in the final. Is, is, they were in the finals two years ago. That's right. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so one. after a you know kind of a long drought where Fall Mountain really struggled, um, they've done a really nice job of rebuilding that program. They should be they should be really proud of that. Yeah, they would be. This would be what their second. Um, you know, second play, I guess, I don't know how you want to count last year. Um, you know, cause I guess technically everyone made the playoffs last year. Um, but, right. but you know, in a normal year, maybe second in three years or, or two in a row in the, in some sense, um, you know, and, and, and getting that first playoff win course there, you know, they're going into it, you know, potentially, um, you know, if they beat Muscoma Valley, they're going to be five and three. Uh, with those three losses coming against the other three playoff teams, and you know they they'd have a uh, return trip to or to return game with uh, with Newport, who beat them thirty five nothing back at the end of September. So, um, yeah, you know obviously getting into the playoffs is one thing, and then trying to win a game when it's only a four team playoff is is a, a whole other thing, a whole much tougher thing. Um, but that's the uh, yeah going back to the the old days and the old format when. The, you know, in the old six division format, it was always just always yep. two weeks of playoffs. Yeah, I'm, which I hated. Yeah, I personally would rather see more teams, um, more you know, a longer playoff run. I like I like the extra week there in, in division one and division two. Um, yeah, you have you have opportunity for better, for for some storylines to develop. You know, you know, over you know team that maybe like a couple you know a couple of years ago with uh, with Hollis getting to the final, you had a couple things to. They kind of, you know, broke their way over those two weeks that, you know, you can, you know, talk about going into a championship game. Not that you don't have it necessarily with, with just uh, a two-week playoff, but the opportunity is is lesser, I think. 
Yeah, the three-week playoff is kind of cool because the old adage of, you know, the playoffs are kind of the second season or, you know, coaches say it's a whole new season. It really isn't if it's only two games. Um, it's certainly intense if there's only two games. Um, but it kind of takes away from that, uh, I don't know, just that special feel of, of having that protracted playoff period that exists at the end of the seasons now, right, for the for the divisions that go three. I just think it's... Uh, I think there's some magic to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking at. Uh, I think it, as we discussed earlier, or maybe before we started today, I'm I'm planning on hitting up that uh, that Goffstown Portsmouth game on Saturday. So I have some nice uh, details from that one. Uh, an early playoff game for for both teams, and uh, you know the other game I'm looking at going to Friday night. Uh, we didn't talk about, um, and it doesn't really look like it has too many playoff implications in terms of of seeding um but man sure looks like a big game on paper uh is milford at timberlane uh friday night yeah um i think that's going to be a a a fun one yeah i I mean you know again it's kind of i think there's kind of a clear top three in d2 and and um Milford and Timberlane are two of those three teams, obviously. Right. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of times with the size of the division like that, you know, I, I can remember years going back, right, where you don't you don't get those matchups at all until the playoffs sometimes, right? Teams just don't play in the same circles or brackets or whatever, right? And they don't, they don't end up getting to see each other. It's always awesome when um, you get those matchups. I mean, I, I'm not even sure when the last time Milford played Timberlane was. I have they, I don't know if they've. I'm I mean, not sure if they've ever played. Yeah, each other. I don't. I don't know. Uh, not that I can. I don't, I don't think they played each other last year. No, they definitely. They definitely didn't. Milford, I think, just played Hollis and Sauhegan, uh and Pelham last year. Right, and Timberlane was traditionally kind of a D1 slash old D2 school, and right. Milford had been a traditional old, you know, D3 D4 school back before the realignment. So they, I don't think they ever would have crossed paths. So that's kind of a cool matchup in that way too. Um, you know, I can't, I can't say going back, you know, to the old, old days, right back to the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the late eighties, early nineties, yeah, right. Yeah. They might've, uh, when Milford was still mash, um, it had the Amherst and, and Mont Vernon kids going to the school that right. now go to Sauhegan that they didn't play. But this may be the first time in, in, um, Milford High School history that that matchup is happening and so that's kind of cool yeah um yeah definitely looking forward to um to that one um you know and and in in case you were I know you mentioned weather earlier but um I pulled this up uh weather.com not not looking great for this weekend uh 53 on Friday as a high on Friday with with p.m. showers and then uh, a little warmer Saturday, sixty-two, but uh, but rain. Uh, I don't know if that's all day. It just says rain. Yeah. So hope, I I mean we were due, and I feel like this weekend every year is uh, is one where the weather is a little gets a little sketchy. Yeah, it, it's too bad, right? You've had such a great stretch. It's like, come on, man, we couldn't go through one more week like the last <laughs> week of the regular season and just catch a break, but. Nah, not in New England, not during football season. No. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, any other final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up for this last week of the regular season? 
No, you know, I, I think the only thing I would say is that with some of the unexpected outcomes, uh, as we've called them, that happened last week, you know, I mean, I think there's a there's a few games on the board this week that have playoff implications that would seem to be sure things. Um, but I don't know. With the way things have happened the last couple of weeks, I think anything is possible. Yeah. So it could be a really interesting weekend. It's yeah. going to be... Uh, it's going to be tough doing the picks and profits picks this week. Yeah, I think we all got murdered last week. So, I haven't, I, um, I haven't looked. I don't know if I want to look. I haven't dared. I couldn't stand to look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think definitely. Um, you know what happened this past weekend uh, definitely brings some more things into play, um, more possibilities. It, it opens up the mind to some different things that could happen um, that maybe you didn't right. think about before. So. Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely going to be a fun week of football. Uh, yeah. Mike, thanks again for uh, for hanging out and chatting about it with me. Yeah, thank you, Joe. He is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellino. We will talk to you again next week, and next week we'll be getting ready for the first week of playoffs. I uh, hope everyone has a great week, and we'll talk to you then.